The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your Critically Acclaimed. This is a podcast where our patrons get to decide what we make podcasts about. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. And thank you for subscribing, but why don't you like us? <laughs> when, we, when we got the request, when we got the request from our, our patron, Anna Popova, for this episode, the, the, the tone, I believe the, the expression used was, I have a terrible, terrible ask. <laughs> and I'm going to say this right no, now. Oh, Good for you. You know what? It's it's fine. This yeah. is up to you. This is not something we would have chosen to do. I would have. So you would have if I lost a bet. You know it. Yeah, and I would have made sure you lost the bet. <laughs> you would have fixed <laughs> it so I would have lost the bet. I would have done everything in my power uh, to make sure you lost that bet. Because I love watching Whitney suffer. I yeah. love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. We are doing... Uh, by request of our patron, Anna Popova, we are doing a commentary track for Tom Hooper's Cats. It's a film that came out in 2019. Uh, it was about... Uh, the Crimean the, War. It, it was about the last Skywalker, if I recall. <laughs> we'll, get, fil- we'll get into the circumstances of, of how we saw this movie uh, short, in 2019. Short answer, it's a movie about cats. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, it is a movie that became instantly notorious for a variety of reasons, which we will explain. Uh, it's a major box office dud, and it seems likely to go down in history as one of the more memorable turkeys in modern memory. And we are very, very, very excited to do a commentary track for it. If you want to sync up this podcast to the movie Cats... Well, first off, first of all, you have to watch the movie Cats to do that. Why don't you? But just, it's uh, as of this recording, it's available on HBO Max. Yeah, we're watching on, on HBO streaming. Max. I don't have it on on Blu-ray, which is weird. I, I should. Uh, we're watching HBO Max, and so what we've done is we have paused the movie at the black screen right after the Universal logo. Now mm-hmm. on HBO Max, because they have like advertising in front of it. Right now, that's about one minute into the movie. Your mileage on this will vary if you're watching Cats on another streaming service or if you are watching it on DVD or Blu-ray. That will be a little different. But if you pause it on the black screen right after the Universal logo, and then when I say three, two, one, Cats, (laughs) and we all press play together, we'll be more or less synced up. This isn't an episode of Rift Tracks. It doesn't have to be perfect. We haven't written a ton of jokes that need to be synced properly. We're going to be basically talking over the movie Cats and talking about what is this movie, why is this movie, and why this is the only movie in the history of our podcast we have given a D-plus rating to <laughs> when we typically review movies from C-minus to C-plus. The, 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 those are only three, C, C-minus, or C-plus. This one got a D, a D-plus. Yeah. Yeah, just because it's so bonkers. Anyway, let's get started because I don't want to have to beat okay. around the beat around the cats any longer. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay, so once again, you can listen to this as a podcast if you just want to, and it shouldn't be hard to follow. But again, if you want to sync it up, watch along with us. 
Pause it now. Set up your thing. Come back. Mm. We're good? Okay. Three, two, one. Cats. Cats. Meow, 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 meow. Product. This film was uh, notorious before it even came out. I remember uh, the summer before its release. It was released in December of 2019. Uh, the preview hit, and the preview was immediately scuttlebutt among the critical community about how awful it looked. Yeah. Uh, no, granted, that's just a preview. It was just a preview, a preview. But Lots of previews look bad and end up being good movies, and vice versa. There was, however, uh, a concern at uh, one major choice that director Tom Hooper uh, wanted to make, and that is to envision the cats in the movie Cats as these weird CGI monstrosities. Human actors who would have digital fur technology pasted onto their bodies, mm -hmm. and to also make them human beings shaped, but cat in scale. Yeah. Now, in the original play, which is a musical, of course, uh, and one uh, of the biggest musicals of all time, in yep, fact. Yeah. One of the, I think it was. I don't know if it still has the record, but it was uh, the longest running show on Broadway for many, many years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's uh, again, it's a live dance show with people who are dressed as cats. They have cat face paint. Mm -hmm. They have uh, cat costumes, and they dance around and they sing about being cats and. It's a very... I've never seen it myself. I saw the... They recorded a stage show of Cats in the 90s. Yeah. And it's... You you watch that. It's actually quite good. Um, but uh, I, I know people who have seen it, and they all said that the thrill of Cats isn't the narrative. It isn't even the songs. It's the in-person experience well, that's, of being yeah. right up there with these incredible dancers. And that's something yeah, that, that the movie almost completely eschews. Well, unfortunately, because, uh, and this is a, a big problem with modern film musical making in general, mm. uh, the editing is always so bad. They are so focused on uh, these sorts of things being cinematic that they forget how theatrical, theatrical these things need to mm -hmm. be. We have to be able to see the dancers from head to toe dancing in front of us. And all of the dance numbers in most modern musicals are pretty choppy. Yeah. It's very rare you know, to the, see otherwise. The, yeah. the only films that get it right are like the Step Up movies, and those are dance movies more than they are musicals. Yeah, but they're, they're following similar yeah. logic. Uh, now, Cats, going back to the stage production, is an atrocity. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> I don't know I, about look, that. I, I, I don't know about I that. I despise Andrew Lloyd Webber, okay? I, I'll just say it right out there. I do not like the way he writes music. I don't like his subjects. What about Starlight Express? <laughs> Come on, Starlight Express. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a William. It's a musical of which all of the characters are trains. William, no. <laughs> look up. No. Do yourself a favor. Look up this, the history of Starlight Express. Starlight Express it is yeah. a wonderful rabbit hole to go down, yeah. and it's really, really weird. Well, by the way, I need to talk so right now because we're in the middle of this opening number, yeah. and the opening number is basically introducing the audience to the idea of cats, and they're asking you things like, "Hey, can you see in the dark? Are you like?" Yeah, descended just, from Egyptian gods. The, and in, in a stage show, they'd sing this right to the audience, mm -hmm. but now we have this new idea of, like, this white cat, Victoria. Yeah, she's the uh, um, she's the character who has been introduced in order to give the audience an in because, for some reason, they couldn't wrap their heads around the idea of these cats just singing yeah. to the audience. So they had to sing to another cat. Problem is, this song no longer makes any sense because they're asking this cat if she knows cat stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, and, uh, hey, are you... Do, are you like, do you like rats? Do, are you descended from like the cats from mm -hmm. Egypt and stuff? Or do you like, can you see really good in the dark and stuff? 
And, yeah, and well, of course she's a cat. What do you expect? And they're jellical cats, mm-hmm. and they spend a lot of time describing what a jellical cat is. But if you ask Andrew Lloyd Webber, he would say that all cats are jellical cats. Jellical so it's is just redundant. a word for cat, and all dogs are pollicle dogs. Mm-hmm. Th- thanks for thanks for laying that out. Um, this was based on a book that Andrew Lloyd Webber was very fond of when he was a little kid, and that's T.S. Eliot's uh, Old Possum's books. Book of Practical Cats. Yeah. Which is just, uh, it, it's... It's a series of poems about cats. Yeah, wonderful nonsense poems for kids. And each yeah. one is about a different cat with a funny cat name. Yeah. They're just poems. And so he took this book of poetry and tried to make a musical out of it. And as such, we have people singing numbers about these various cats. And there's no actual plot or structure to the show, really. Well, it's there's very this notion, thin. There's it's this notion thin. at the end that they're all essentially auditioned, auditioning to get the Jellicle choice. Uh, and uh, well, the, to the heavy side layer, rather, they're saying yeah. to be to be the Jellicle choice mm. so that they can ascend to the heavy side layer, which it's is like, to say they're going to die. They're, That's they're it. Like they get a, to die. They get to move on to the next plane of existence. It's like the prize in the Highlander movies, basically. Oh God, McCavity. Um, here's Idris Elba as Macavity. Mm, who is this, like, sinister creature who's gonna, like, kidnap a whole bunch of cats throughout the movie? That is not in the play. They had to shoehorn that in to try to give some sense of danger, of, of threat, of, of a through line, of a, into a, movie. Of a yeah. villain who can be, like, defeated. He just sort of shows up in the play like, hey, I'm the bad guy cat. Okay, bye. Like, that's I, it. I'm picturing a version of this, and there there was a, an attempt. This the, the musical came out in the early 80s. It was, like, this huge, huge hit in the early 80s. And there was talk for a while of making an animated film of cats. And, in fact, this was an Amblin production. And the Amblin Animation Studio, which is now shuttered, uh, was going to make one. And in fact, you can look online and see some of the designs of the cats for the animated Cats musical that would have been made. Pretty cool designs. I'll bet. Uh, I think it would lend itself pretty well to an animated yeah, movie. And, My and ideal fact, version would have been like each cat would have been an- animated by a different animated filmmaker. Okay. So each story would have had its own flavor. And uh, that yeah, would have been great. I, I picture it as... Uh, you make an animated version, but I'm picturing like a Ralph Bakshi edition of something mm, like Cats. Something with a little grit to it. Yeah, where there, there's yeah. there's grit, there's a lot more sexuality to it, and it would be as freely structureless as the actual musical. Have it be just like a, a cabaret. Cat comes on stage and auditions, and that's, that's, that's your structure. That is the structure. That's, 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 that's all that's, you need. That's the play. That's exactly what it yeah. is. Instead, you know, no, we had to make it into an actual movie and... Oh my golly, Tom Hooper. Look, Tom, Tom Hooper made a film called The, the King's Speech. Yep. And that is a weirdly dour-looking movie. Yeah. A, a lot of It's a his, perfectly functional, like, yeah. Oscar-bait biopic about how the, the King of England had to overcome his stutter in order to speak on the radio and rally the British people during World War II. Yeah. It's an okay movie. It's I an okay would, I wouldn't it's call it bad. Perfectly fine. It gets a lot of crap because everyone thinks the social network should have won Best Picture that year, but the King's Speech is fine. It's, it's fine. just unremarkable. Uh, now, Tom Hooper's style is, uh, you'll notice in this film, uh, mostly in his Les Miserables, but and definitely in the King's Speech, there's a lot of shots of like single characters and a lot of blank wall behind them. Yeah. He likes to fill his frame with a lot of empty space, mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense when they're just like singing 
like a one like a solo yeah and you just want to like the, the shot of Anne Hathaway just singing in Les Miserables is totally what got her that Oscar because it's just yeah. one long sustained vocal performance her acting is very good in it she's, it's a great song she's sitting down she's sitting let, down it's, let it's, her not, stand up, it's not great sake. staging Have, but yeah. it's, it's not great staging but it puts all the emphasis on her mm. and that's that's effective for what that is but yeah, what no, that is yeah. is incredibly simple it's incredibly simple and he also made the baffling decision to let for natural sound he wanted the mm. actors to sing on set, mm-hmm. trying to capture this sort of theatrical realism, or so he thought. Yeah. Problem uh, is, he didn't get people who sing in theaters. No. Yeah. And, a, a couple. A couple. Yeah. Hugh Jackman is a, is a good singer, and uh, a couple of the other... Uh, you know, a, lot a, lot of, of, a lot of the smaller members of the cast. But these, like, these are big uh, numbers that are meant to be sung to the, to the cheap seats in the back. Yeah, really belted. Yeah, yeah. so... In staging, the, I think all of his decisions on Les Miserables were, were pretty bad in retrospect. I enjoyed the film at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But every oh, time I, I think about a lot of these, uh, the choices he was making, it's like, no. Here, here, are the no, choices no. I, here are the choices I support in, in, in Tom Hooper's Les Miserables. Mm. Casting Hugh Jackman, fine. Mm. Casting Anne Hathaway, fine. Everything else was a mistake. <laughs> like, literally everything else, everything else in that movie doesn't oh, work no. for me. Is it the most atrocious thing ever? No. But does any of it work? No. Yeah. And it's and it's sabotage is one of like the great novel stories ever, which is turned into a great musical, which is turned into a shit film. And uh, luckily with cats, we started with shit. <laughs> and we, and Whitney, and it was Whitney has strong with, opinions about cats. Str- well, I mean, it's just it's just awful, isn't it? Yeah. And. I, under, I kind of understand the thinking behind wanting to make a movie of Cats. Uh, it was a hit musical, Certainly. and there's there's this feel. Even though the like the the great wave of mu- movie musicals sort of came and went very briefly back in the '60s, mm-hmm. there's still been this notion that a musical is an Oscar film. Yeah, like we're we're gonna put on a musical and have it be uh, sort of awards bait. Mm-hmm. I think the last yeah. time that actually, well, La La Land. And, and but, Chicago, I think those yeah. are the, those are two big ones in the last. 20 yeah, I guess years. so. Uh, but you look at La La Land, you look at Chicago. There's always an apology for their musicalness. Mm. Uh, La La Land was a little bit shabby. They tried to make it feel a little bit more amateurish, or even if they weren't trying, they did. Uh, Chicago, Chicago put all the to, musical uh, sequences in everyone's in, dreams, in like yeah, this yeah. fantasy sequence, and a lot of people reacted very positively to that. It's like mm. we can't except that there's just these non-real things. And so Tom Hooper, uh, you know, we're, we're going to make a musical out of Cats. We're going to put this big awards bait film out there where there were a few recent hits, like uh, The Greatest Showman, that showed that mm-hmm. musicals could make money. So okay, well, That, that movie was huge, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it, it made like half a billion dollars. That is it fun. Insane. It's irresponsible biopic filmmaking, but I, it's actually a really I, fun movie. I, I, I think that P.T. Barnum would have loved that movie. That's, yeah. that's all you can really say about it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're going to make, in this realistic style, a hit musical awards bait film, but it's going to be Cats, which was this fanciful, structuralist musical that was essentially a review show about dancing and getting involved in the theatrical experience. Pretty much. What a bad idea. <laughs> what a bad idea, and why you would give that to Tom Hooper, who has never yeah. demonstrated any fancifulness. To any of his films. Like, he's never, like... I mean, this is the kind of movie, like, usually, I think, the the studio would probably just say, okay, how much is Tim Burton? 
Yeah. Tim Burton would want to do it. Tim Burton would do it mm. interesting or at least consistent with what people like. And then we just have a successful movie, even if it's weird. Yeah. And no, we get Tom mm. Hooper who has odd ideas here. So the whole digital fur technology looks consistently bad across the board. Yeah. You and I, I, th- I think you and I both saw this opening day before they had fixed the CGI. Well, I saw it at a screening. I was oh, at okay. a press screening. And, uh, I didn't anyway, think c- it was Continue your point, that. but I'll tell you. I'll yeah, it's so like when experience. this movie opened, it opened, it was so rushed. It was, they were so like down to the wire. It's very common for like movies with a lot of visual effects to arrive to, in theaters. Uh, the expression would be wet. Uh, and what that meant was not initially back when wet paint, not dry. No, like wet paint. Like the idea is that uh, they were printed on 35 millimeter film so recently that they were just that fresh. Uh-huh. Like they were finished that morning and then just got shipped off to the theater, like as is. Um, digitally now, that's no longer works. But I don't know if there's an updated expression for that. So it was right down to the wire. People were still working on it that week. And some of the visual effects were clearly not done. Mm-hmm. There were like p- cats who had like collars around their necks that were clearly not rendered that looked like Nintendo 64 graphics. <laughs> there were ca- uh, cats with like human hands and they just didn't talk about it. Uh, Judy Dench's wedding ring was still visible. <laughs> like it was pretty bad. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for the uh, CG animators because obviously they tried their best and were working under shitty conditions and they got kind of thrown under the bus by everybody. But um, if you remember that uh, Oscars speech where mm. James Corden and uh, Rebel Wilson Wilson came out on stage in like cat suits. Yeah. And they look, they they look better than the movie, but that's because they they talked about, Oh, and we understand how important it is to have good special effects. Like, that's not the VFX artist's fault. Actually, that's the fault of the movies for not giving enough time and money. They needed a huge team of people to work on the special effects. uh, And a lot of, down to the wire time to complete mm. these special effects all because of Tom Hooper's really baffling decision to have all of this natural stuff on set. So he has these oversized sets and when the actors performed, they weren't wearing the motion capture suits. Mm-hmm. They were wearing essentially dance suits and the special effects had to be laid over them frame by frame by hand. Mm-hmm. If you had motion capture, you already had the movements in and you could animate over the movements. There's a lot of shortcuts like, uh, involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an easier process. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at the last minute they had to go in and animate over people. So you had this weird effect where their faces seemed to be floating in the cat heads and their ears were shaved off of their bodies so their sh- their heads don't look the right shape it's all so bizarre also the the mice are even creepier than the cats and the co- because the mice look terrified and the mice children. do not want to be here the mice are being tortured uh by jenny annie dots who what a weird portrayal of the character is like a big walking fat joke and yeah, I hate, stage, I hate this whole I hate this whole number. It's in, not a bad number in, on the stage, but in the movie, it's just awful. Or in the stage show, Jenny Andy Dutz is also a fat joke, but um, yeah, I don't think they had to lean into it. But in any case, um, we got Rebel Wilson here as a cat doing cat stuff. It's funny that she's not good at stuff, I guess. Um, we've got uh, well, we didn't talk she's, about she's it. Garfield. It's basically Garfield. Yeah, it's Garfield. We didn't really talk about it, but uh, the uh, lead cast, Victoria. Uh, the the new character they created for the film, Cheska uh, Hayward. She's a prima ballerina for Juilliard, I think. Yeah, and I don't know if this is like her film debut or like her lead acting debut, 
but uh, what a terrible motion picture debut. Not because she's bad in it. She's actually doing everything she's asked to do. She's hmm. clearly an excellent dancer. She's a good singer. She's doing everything she's asked to do. The problem hmm. is what she's asked to do is be in the movie Cats. So, I mean, again, she's her career as... Uh, uh, a ballerina is secure mm. and she will have nothing but respect for that. But I can't help but wonder, like, she, could she have had like a really big movie career? Will she get a chance to like try again? Because it's clearly not her fault. Well, and, and here's, here's another baffling choice. You, you cast Fantrusca Hayward. She's a professional dancer. She can dance. And when we actually get to see her dancing uh, underneath that weird CGI body, they cloaked her in. Uh, she's doing a good job and she's going to go back to the stage and she's going to dance ballet as long as she wants. Cats is a dance review show. Mm. So they did well okay, to... The bit where she pulls off her own skin and reveals <laughs> that she's wearing human clothes underneath other cat skin. Mm. That I don't know what the fuck mm. we're supposed to make of that. Okay, I've seen Joe's apartment. I like Joe's apartment. This is giving me nightmares. This These is dancing cockroaches. You, sir, are no Joe's you apartment. Are, this, this, show, this film is not nearly as good as Joe's apartment. Uh, but yeah, the, the, oh God. Oh, oh I'm so... This why are we... This is such a nightmare. Why are there so many cockroach crotches? Why? What, were you, what, what purpose does this serve? Look, so, somebody is, is sexually aroused by cockroaches, clearly. So wow. this is what we're getting here. Uh, and we're not judging... We are not judging. No, I would, I would never kink shame, no matter what your kink is. But uh, it's, it's, it's an odd it's, scene. It's Can an we agree? It's an odd in the movie, it's an odd scene. Mainstream okay. movie. Yeah. Uh, so <sighs> we cast Francesca Hayward. She's a professional dancer. Good, good job. You cast one person right. But this was supposed to be also this big celebrity showcase. Yeah. So we have Rebel Wilson, we have Idris Elba, we have Ian McKellen and Judy Dench, we have Ray Winstone is in one scene. Yeah, um, his his mm. his song got cut apparently because it's the fine the, fine the, the lyrics aren't uh, aren't very cool today. Mm. It's my understanding. We've got Jason Derulo right here as Rum Tum Tugger, and I had to have I I'm old now. I had to have people explain to me who Jason Derulo was, <laughs> and he's he's doing fine. He's fine. He's doing but, uh, what he's required to do. Like he's he's a good it, singer. If you're going to make a, a movie about cats and you're going to have these like weird, smooth, furry cat bodies and you're going to make a dance review show, cast nothing but dancers, please. Mm. Just dancers. Yeah. And let them dance. Yeah. And so at the very least, we still have these nightmarish CGI cat bodies, but at least we'd be able to see some something approaching dance. Yeah. Here's the other thing, though, is that they're desperately trying to like turn... These songs, which have little or no connection to each other, like occasionally yeah. there's some overlap, and like one song will reference another cat or something, but for the most part, this there's no through line here, mm. and they're desperately trying to find a way to connect. So we've got Rum Tum Tugger saying that like Ah Jenny Any Dots is like Ah she's so old fashioned. Let me show you how I do it, and then he sings a song about how he's a little indecisive. <laughs> that doesn't fucking track. That doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense. You're not connecting the actual material. You're just basically just saying we're going from Rebel Wilson to yeah. Jason uh, uh, Derulo. Derulo, sorry. For a second, I was like, it's Jason, right? Not James. <laughs> it's, we're doing from going from Rebel Wilson to Jason Derulo, and that's a bit of a shift in tone. And uh, we'll just pretend that's a thing when, in actuality, the story doesn't a exist. And if it did, <laughs> it definitely doesn't support any um. sort of conflict here because there is none. 
She's just like, hey, I'm a cat. And Jason Derulo's like, I too am a cat. And we have these songs, but like we're cutting away to these annoying asides. Like, just let the songs be the songs. This is such a weird, uh, weird modern notion of and the, uh, cats, but movie musicals in general. Yeah. Unless they're animated. The producers of these modern musicals seem afraid to make musicals. Yeah. They don't, They're afraid to be old-fashioned, anyway. Yeah, like, old-fashioned in the fact that we're going to hire, hire some triple threats who can sing and dance and act. We're going to spend a lot of time choreographing these in a really complicated way and filming mm. them in a way that makes it look really impressive. They're almost embarrassed to be making musicals. Oh, got some foot fetish in there. That's great. <laughs> just, just keep at it, man. Uh, yeah. Just, just... The characters are all like meowing and writhing around. And a lot of people, a lot of critics did note that there's a weird sexual energy. Yeah, there's a lot of sexual energy. There's something almost fetishistic about this film. Yeah. I choose to believe that they're in like a milk bar right now. I choose to believe that that's the milk bar from a clockwork orange. Well, we know what that one looks like though. Yeah, but we don't really like in a back room. We only know from one angle. I suppose. So you you spin the camera around and this this, is what it looks like. Yeah, this is the other side of the bar. Exactly. And we just, yeah. It's 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 this surreal, surreal thing. <laughs> uh, now, there's a really uh, rather fun quote about Cats, where uh, Hal Prince, uh, theater producer, mm. was given Cats while it was still being made, mm. and he was looking over this script and trying to trying to make sense of it. Yeah, what is this? It's like what yeah. what is the and so he actually came back to Andrew Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Webber and said, "I think I understand." That this is sort of like a, a British political metaphor. These are all like f- political figures, and this cat represents Queen Victoria, and this other cat represents the, you know, these other well-known British uh, politicians. And you're making some sort of weird political statement that I don't quite understand because Hal Prince is American, and the the, the story that he's told is Andrew Lloyd Webber just sort of took this long breath and after a long pregnant pause said. How it's about cats. That's it. Yeah. That's the only explanation he's ever given as to what he was thinking when he made this. How it's about cats. (laughs) Like that. So what we're seeing, this, this is complete surface. There's everything we're seeing about cats is right here on the screen. There's a really, really great review uh, Mm. of the original uh, production of cats Oh, is this the uh, Elaine Stritch review? Uh, no, it's Frank Rich actually in the oh. New York Times. I really like this one, and he he actually liked it. Okay, and but he was pretty he's pretty fair actually, and he said, um, uh, "It's not that this I'm quoting here. It's not that this collection of anthropomorphic variety turns is a brilliant musical, or that it powerfully stirs the emotions, or that it has an idea in its head. Nor <laughs> is the probable appeal of Cats a function of the publicity that has accompanied the show's every purr since it first stocked London 17 months ago. This is the American premiere." No, the reason why people will hunger to see Cats is far more simple and primal than that. It's a musical that transports the audience into a complete fantasy world that could only exist in the theater, and yet, these days, only rarely does. Whatever the other failings and excesses, even banalities of Cats, it believes in purely theatrical magic, and on that faith, it unquestionably delivers. And that, I think, is the charm of Cats in the theater is that it doesn't seem to be apologizing for what it is. We are cats. Join us in our weird fantasy world of cats. Mm. You're going to have fun. We're going to frolic and dance around you right there in the aisles. 
And then when you're done, you will no longer be cats. That's it. That's all there is to it. It mm. is uncomplicated. It is an experience more than it is a narrative. And I think we're dealing with a problem here. And I actually think, weirdly enough, it's the same problem that a lot of filmmakers have when they try to adapt video games. Because video games, by and large, are about the immediate experience. Yeah, it's about the interactivity. It's about yeah, it's about being there push, in the firefight the or, yeah, or yeah. in the strange environment or or in that even emotional mindset. It's not necessarily all about plot, even though many video games do have a great plot. But so many filmmakers decide to just translate that to plot. Right. And what you need to translate is the experience of fe- of that theatrical viewing. And that's incredibly hard to do when you're dealing with something as abstract as cats. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, the uh, same... Uh, 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 the same uh, theater critic would mm-hmm. later on uh, review Starlight Express, which we joked about earlier. And it's one of my favorite negative reviews of all time. <laughs> um, uh, Starlight Express is an entertainment event for children who love trains. Over two numbing hours later, you may find yourself wondering whose children he has in mind. Uh, a confusing jamboree of piercing noise, routine roller skating, misogyny, and Orwellian special effects, Starlight Express is the perfect gift for the kid who has everything except parents. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's truly... Wow. It's truly, truly yeah. an epic review. Please, I'm not going to read the whole thing because that'd be rude, but please read it. It's very well yeah. archived. You know, the Pandy Extra for it. Uh, but Frank Rich's review of Starlight Express is one of like the great theatrical takedowns I've ever read. Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, uh, I, I think you're going to... Uh, Elaine Stritch, the actress, mm. uh, was they wrote a biography of her recently and she was quoted in it about how much she loathed this movie when she saw it in London. Mm. Um, and here's the quote. I just hated every minute of it. The first act, I was all dressed up and the cats came out through the audience. They were mussing people's hair and, you know, touching me. One of them came near me. I remember looking at it and saying, don't touch me. That's how much I hated the show. I didn't want anything to do with it. This idea of uh, interactivity, the cat, people dressing up in cat outfits and coming out in the audience and, and interacting is kind of gauche yeah. for a lot of the old, old world uh, theater goers. Uh, it's gimmicky. Yeah, it's like uh, you know how how artistic is like Spider Man Turn Off the Dark? Like people went to go see it because it was this big weird. I I actually got to see that. I'm very jealous. Um, But uh, yeah, it was this weird sort of gimmicky thing. It was this big stunt spectacular. It's Spider Man. It's Bono and the Edge writing the music. Uh, It's notorious because so many people got injured during uh, during rehearsals. It had to be reworked at the last minute. It was very expensive. It was this big commercial disaster. It ended up making its money back. Just so many people were fascinated by it that it was not really a hit, but it made money. Compared to, you know, Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, or Showboat, you know, the old uh, musical standbys. Spider-Man, yeah, was was just a a gimmick. It was a throw-off. It was something to attract people who weren't theater people. And I think a lot of people felt that way about Cats. It was widely appealing to a non-theater crowd. It was just a bunch of people in cat suits leaping about and coming out in the audience and really stressing uh, uh, just the the immediacy of the theatrical experience. I I forgot which critic it was, but they described it as uh, the first (laughs) musical made specifically for tired businessmen. 
who are just sort of like in town on a business trip. It's like, what show do you want to see? I don't know. Let's not do anything challenging. We'll go see Cats. Interesting. Yeah. Weird way to put that. <clears throat> uh, we missed the bit where McCavity turns Jenny Anydots into dust and teleports her away for reasons. Mm. Yeah, it's not like she's like a threat to him. It's not like she gave like the best performance or anything. She was the first one out, so we know it's not going to be her. Also, we're here with Bustopher Jones, another walking fat mm. joke, played by James Corden, a film a, a, a film actor. Obviously, he, he's he, he's a talk show host more than anything else now, but mm. a film actor whose popularity I just don't quite get. <laughs> I've never really yeah. seen him be a... The best thing I've ever seen him in, weirdly enough, was Ocean's 8, where he just played it completely straight. Like, like just didn't pan up anything. Yeah. He was just playing a role. And I feel like a lot of the time he's playing whatever we expect James Corden to do. And I never asked for that from James Corden. Mm. So I'm always weirded out when he keeps giving me the same thing I didn't ask for. <laughs> he's got one specific shtick. He's not like... Uh widely talented he doesn't have like a, a he can sing a, a, no one's pretending he can't but you know. he, he can sing fine but uh you know it's not that he has like this wide variety of characters he's not this polymath he is the james corden guy get me james corden uh i uh, yeah i don't really understand a lot of his appeal either um i, I didn't think it was that great in the prom Oh, Prom is, uh, Prom is a terrible movie. Yeah. I mean, even good actors are bad in The Prom. Like, well, Nicole yeah, Kidman sure. isn't great in The Prom. Or, um, I, I did uh, like Meryl Streep is eh, at best. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she's bringing it, and I like the scenes she had with uh, um, Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key is bringing it in The Prom. Yeah. Like, he's actually doing the work, yeah. I'm, and I'm not really sure... I, I can only assume that the actors who involved themselves in I didn't need to see cast... that much of James Corden's tongue. Mm. I really... <laughs> There's so much disgusting crap in this movie. He's going to spit on Victoria in a minute. God. Um, <sighs> but I, I can only assume that a lot of these famous people lined up to be in Cats. A, because Cats was you know a hit musical. It was a, mm. It's a known quantity. Every part is a big mm. solo, so yeah. you're guaranteed to get a lot of screen time and but, something fun to do, theoretically. Yeah. But clearly, you know, I, I already said this was an Oscar bait type of movie. Oh, mm. God, here it goes. It's going to spit on her. Um, so th I think a lot of them thought this was going to be a big awards bait movie. This was... Why? Uh, Why did he do that? <laughs> so Why did he spit on her? Even I, she I think, looks like that wasn't scripted. Yeah, I think it wasn't scripted. She's looked really disgusted by the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if if you ever wanted to see an Oscar bait movie where digital cat people are bathed in garbage, this is the movie for you. Finally, mm. <laughs> at, at long last. Yeah, it's it just, just you know I like a good revolting movie that sure. like, deliberately is trying to, to alienate the audience a mm -hmm. little bit, trying to gross you out a little bit. This is unintentional, and that's the worst. That's the thing part is, I don't it. think this movie understands its own wavelength. Like, I don't feel like. Tom Hooper had like a guiding principle for this. Yeah. Like where he's just like, it's like you watch some of the other like so-called worst movies ever made and you get the distinct impression that the people who made it thought it would be fun. You the, know, the, like the, for a lot of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but a lot of them where you just watch them and you're just like, a good example of this is, um, uh, the, uh, village people musical can't stop the music. Okay. Where it's this big, completely phony biopic of how the village people got together and ended up writing YMCA and all their other big hits, mm. and um, and uh, it's 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 all crap. There's the complete myth making had nothing to do with the reality of the situation. Um, 
but it is directed as though the people involved are supposed to be having fun. Like we're all having a goof here. Yeah. No one is taking this too seriously. It's supposed to be arch and camp and cheesy and ridiculous. And you're supposed to enjoy it on that level. And I do. Mm. And I can find the level that the movie is on. And yeah, you can critique it all you want, but like you can at the very least witness it from that perspective and find a groove with it and enjoy the experience of watching it. I don't actually see the guiding principle in cats other than weirdly dingy lighting. Like I, it's an ugly looking movie, Mm. which you would think that would be the saving grace of this is that it would be a visual feast. It would be full of like really fanciful sets and everything like that. But like Mm. the majority of it is just brown and yellow lights Mm. and kind of haze because it's I guess it's supposed to be in London and like I'm sorry man that's just not very vibrant and alive it's hard for me to figure it out if it was supposed to be all grungy and weird and like yeah it's really fucked up to be a cat you gotta live on the streets and shit that would be fine too but the material betrays that because it's so broad and fanciful so to make it kind of magical and filthy at the same time. And yeah, they don't that, have that, that can be done, but it takes, a, Gilliam, yeah, maybe, it takes but a like, deft hand. It's really, really tricky. This is actually one of the few numbers I kind of dig. Oh, except, so I, was, I was just about to say that this is a uh, rumple teaser and uh, um, uh, Mungo Jerry, Mungo Jerry. And uh, the only problem I have with, I actually like, hold on, I want to give them credit because this is one of the few times when they didn't go for like famous people and they just got good dancers singers yeah. and dancers. Uh, rumple teaser is played by, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, uh, Neem Morgan. Uh-huh. Or um, possibly Naomi Morgan. It's an, an unusual name. And uh, Danny well, Collins. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, these are cats who are just absolute troublemakers. They are indistinguishable from one another. They look just alike. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they the travel po- as a unit. Yeah, and the point of the song is that they are causing mischief, they're wrecking everything, they're stealing food, and they have a song which is, uh, when the humans find out what they did, they say, was it Mungo Jerry or Rumple Teaser? And they can't figure out which one's which, and they decide not to bother, you know, punishing either of them. Right. So they get away with everything, and that's the gag. They change the lyrics so that instead of being in character as the humans asking... Was it Mungo Jerry or Rumble Teaser? Mm. They say it was M- Mungo Jerry or Rumble Teaser, and most of the time they leave it at that, which entirely changes the purpose of the song. Yeah, they, they, well, it doesn't make any sense anymore. The characters all sing about themselves in this, which is why yeah. that idea of a musical review makes more sense if they're sort of going out and doing their s- musical soliloquy, as it were. Yeah. Then they could do that, but, uh, they're not. They're just in a house singing about themselves. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the implication is that like they're like all singing to Victoria in order to give her like maybe some sense of her identity. They ask mm-hmm. her like, "What's your jellical name?" And uh, mm-hmm. they never give her one, so it doesn't create a through line. It's not like she's like looking at how all these other cats live and deciding because she's introduced at the beginning of the narrative as being like someone in a car throws her away in a bag in an alley. I guess they hated her or the mom had kittens or something and they couldn't take care of her or something. So she's got like a blank slate. She can be whatever she wants to be. And so all these other cats are like singing about what they do. And then she's getting involved and she's singing and dancing with them and she's deciding which ones she likes. 
Uh, and all of that would be fine if anything in the lyrics made sense with that. <laughs> and even the little bits of dialogue that they add don't track it. So, I, again, she's just there so that there's one person who's in every single bit. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for her to be. There's no thematic reason for her to be. There's no plot reason for her to be. She's just there. And I see poor Francesca Hayward, clearly very talented, desperately trying to do something with this material. Mm-hmm. And she's literally got nothing. They gave her a new song. It's called Beautiful Ghosts. It's okay. It was uh, written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and co-written by... Taylor Swift. Yeah, who appears in this uh, mm. as well as Bombalarina. Bombalarina, by the way, was... Uh, it was multiple characters in the original, wasn't it? Um, well, it, it's the name of Andrew Lloyd Webber's secret pop music act. No. He, la- he launched his own band at one point. Like, he, he primed a disco... Let me look up the years on... Ballerina. By the way, I was wrong. I was wrong. She was not more than one character in the original. Oh, okay. My bad. I think I might be confusing with a different character. Um, but yeah, uh, it was. Bombellarina was. How to describe? Okay, it was. Oh yeah, here's where we introduced like the a... idea of dogs, which we won't see. And I kind of wish oh. that we had just like opened that door and it was like Vin Diesel in a dog suit, <laughs> <laughs> just yelling at them. Like... I would love to have seen if it was just like like an actual dog. Yeah, like the cats okay. are all human beings, but the dogs just look like dogs. Well, I don't know. The cockroaches were human beings. The mice were human beings. Shouldn't the dogs be human beings? Maybe. I guess. I don't know. Um, that would make sense. Bombella Reno was sort of like a. a techno dance act that looked a lot like the B-52s. Hmm. So it was like two tall models and one sort of like shorter goofy guy who looked a lot like Fred Schneider, but they dressed him up like Phil Silvers with a sailor's hmm. cap. And they did these techno remixes of like old novelty hits. So you can look up Bombalarino's cover of Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini all like synthed up to the gills. It might be one of the most annoying things you'll ever see. And I like that song. I'm actually fond of that song. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is on record for saying that's his favorite pop song of all time. Which one? Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he made up this band, Bombalarina, named after the character from Cats. And I, I don't think it really ever made it stateside. I don't think they had a, even had any big hits in the UK. But we'd have to hear from some of our listeners in the UK to find out. Say what you will. About Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's extremely Andrew, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber. Webber. Yeah, uh, this is Ray Winstone as Growl Tiger, whose song got cut from the film because it has uh, racial epithets in it. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, my God. What I object to about Andrew Lloyd Webber is um, he is able to write really hummable things phrases but i feel like he doesn't know how to construct a song so he just repeats them over and yeah, over so again, there, yeah. there's a lot of little tiny phrases that get stuck in your head yeah they work great but, in like a trailer like as soon as you mm. see like a trailer like phantom is coming back to yeah. the theater and, and you hear that goes, dum 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 yeah, yeah that's a great couple of bars like that um, bar, those are amazing couple of bars but he can't ever fit it into an actual Broadway style song or even an opera. It's like in this weird mid phase and he's able to do these little uh, phrases that 
feed into themselves, but don't ever conclude or progress in any kind of way. Uh, in Cats, it's that sort of um, sort of descending uh, melody. Dum da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum. Yeah, it just just goes over and over again. There's also there's that same phrase in Phantom. Yeah, like their music. That's an operatic kind of thing, though. I mean, no, that's that's a music box kind of stuff. You know, it's little little thing that needs to feed into itself. And it gets really grating after a while. And Cats is particularly annoying because we have that kind of songwriting. But it came out in the early 80s when uh, he was experimenting with a lot of synth. Mm. So there's a lot of artificialness to the music in this. It sounds really cheap in this movie because a lot of it still draws from that electronic uh, tradition. And Mm. throughout the show, you have, in addition to that descending melody, this weird sort of background meowing, electronic meowing noise. Mm. It sounds like something's breaking. <laughs> like like the Casio keyboard they bought is running out of D-cell batteries. Uh, we are about to meet uh, Old Deuteronomy, played in the movie by Judy Dench. Uh, this version of Old Deuteronomy is just so... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very, like, worshipful. Mm-hmm. And so drab. It's just basically sucked free of any personality whatsoever. It's just basically like Judy Dench is on set today. Everyone speaking hushed tones. Mm-hmm. We got Judy Dench today, okay? So just everyone, everyone cut the shit, okay? I want reverence, reverence from everyone on the set. I'm now sing like that. I'm wondering if Judy Dench even knew what what cats was i think she, i think yeah. she knows what a cat is dude no i mean what the musical was <laughs> i'm sure she did what are you talking about she's, mm. a, she's a she's a master thespian of stage and screen i'm sure she at least knows about it mm. really weird if she didn't there's these weird designs where that some of the cats just have like furry human bodies but some of them also wear like clothes mm. Well, I guess that's not so bad. It's a hat or fine. Yeah, a lot of them wearing like little clothes or whatever. I don't, that that's that is not the problem. No. <laughs> what bothers me is when they strip off their own flesh and have clothes underneath. Mm. That breaks the rules. Mm. That cannot be right at all. I think with with Idris Elba, there's a little bit of this uncanny valley because they they made his fur the same color as as Idris Elba. Mm. So it looks like he's naked. It's very strange. It's very, very strange. Well, Deuteronomy in the play was originally uh, a male character. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's particularly important that the gender got switched. I don't think it matters at all, really. Uh, What I do think matters is that every time Judi Dench looks at Ian McKellen in this movie, she looks like she really wants to bone. (laughs) Like, she's just like, well, hello, Ian. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people have pointed out how, um, just how sexual this movie is. We've already mentioned yeah. that, and it's, uh, yes. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know this. You, well, know, you, know who, you know who originally played Old Deuteronomy in 1981? Jerry Urbach. Brian Blessed. Bro- oh, good. Okay. 
Uh, my first exposure to cat because cats came out when I was a kid, and mm. I remember it being a big deal. I remember when it moved here to Los Angeles, and uh, how it opened at the Schubert Theater, which isn't there anymore. It mm. was in Century City, California, and it played there for ages and ages and ages and ages. I think um, it wasn't until I think it was the producers. No, mm. I forgot which show uh, like ended up beating Cats' record for the longest running musical ever. Uh, I, I'll look this up. I'll look this up. Okay. That's easy enough to look up. I'm sure. Yeah, for for many many years, this had the record for the longest running musical of all time because it, it is sort of a tourist show. You come in from out of town. Uh, you want to see the. Cats we're talking about Broadway or anywhere. Broadway. Okay. Longest running musical. You know, it's opened, Phantom now. Oh, Phantom. Okay, Phantom yeah. beat it. Yeah. It was uh, started in 1988 and uh, was still playing not that long ago. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it finally closed just a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I think it's it, currently. I believe it is Phantom. Okay. Uh, nine shows currently running on Broadway. You know, ish. Have all had at least a thousand performances. Phantom, Chicago, Lion King, Wicked, Book of Mormon, Aladdin, Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, and Come From Away are currently. Uh, but uh, the winner as of now, allegedly, is Phantom of the Opera, which has been running for 13,370 performances. And mm. it is currently running and the performance was only suspended because of the pandemic. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, second place is Chicago, the 1996 revival. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, which uh, ran for 9,692 performances, wow, followed hard. by The Lion King, which is pretty close. It's 9,302, uh-huh. followed by Cats at 7,485. Uh, and that ran for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So, uh, so, uh, so right now in the film, uh, let me just catch you up because we've been talking a lot about other stuff. Um, if you're lost track of the plot, uh, <laughs> the plot is the plot is they're cats. And uh, old Deuteronomy is the one who gets to make the jellical decision, she makes the jellical choice. choice, yes. And uh, whoever is chosen gets to ascend and live yeah. a new life. They they get to be reincarnated essentially. Yeah, which is basically just whoever whoever she decides to pick that day. Yeah, There's no, no particular rule to it. It's just whatever she likes. All right. So let's think about this mythology for a second. Old Deuteronomy has some sort of power, right? Mm. Which means jellical cats are magical creatures. They are. Yeah, we've seen yeah. them like teleport people and shit. Yeah, they can they, be magical shit. And yeah. And yeah uh, who is it? Um, not Rum Tum Tugger. The, the the magician cat. Oh, Mister Mister Mistopheles. Mister Mistopheles. Magical Mister Mistopheles. Um, yeah, has magical powers. Whose as well. number is butchered in this film? <laughs> in order to make it like a plot point, they mm-hmm. like make it like him like not being sure of himself. His number is great mm-hmm. in the play, and it just here it's like magical I don't know how I feel about things. <laughs> uh. So we're living in this world where these are. I imagine because we saw a human being. This was a mistake to include human beings in this thing. Oh, it should never because have been seen. now we live in this world. This is a human world where they're all cat-sized creatures. Mm-hmm. And they look like this to one another. But I guess to our eyes, they look like regular house cats. Uh, I guess that would be yeah. the general consensus, yes. But, you know, they have this sort of magical uh, alternate perception of themselves that we don't, we're not privy to. And they communicate in their own sort of cat language. Which is par and, for the uh, course for a lot of animated mm-hmm. films about anthropomorphic animals. Right. That's, that's not that weird. Well, I mean, it's weird because these it's live action, but, uh, yeah, but it's, whatever, it's not, not so weird uh, a creative decision. I'm not going to fight. That is not the problem. 
Well, I'm trying to get at the problem here, because there's problems here. Oh, certainly. <laughs> I just don't think the basic idea that they're cats is the hmm. problem. <laughs> well, but they're, because they're not just cats, they're cat people. Yeah. They, they're the size of cats, and they do some cat stuff, like writhe around and lap out of dishes, mm-hmm. but they're also human dancers who are at war with one another for death. Mm-hmm. Which means they're kind of like Highlander characters. They're immortals now. Yeah. If, uh, if they old Deuteronomy is supposed to be like have been around since like Queen Victoria's age. Yeah. So, like, so, yeah. so if they need Old Deuteronomy to make their decision for them about who gets to die, they don't die. Theoretically, yeah. Which means some of these cats may be centuries old, uh, as far as we know. Again, theoretically, yes. Yeah. Or you know, cats have nine lives, so they're, they're yeah, whatever, they, yeah. they don't die. If they don't die, why do they dance? What? Well, like, like if, if they don't die... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Can we put that on a shirt? If they don't die, why do they dance? That is if one of the most profound die. things I've ever heard, and it makes no sense whatsoever at the same time. I'm kind of in awe at that question. If they don't die, why, why do, do they, they dance? dance? What is their motivation for dancing? Why do they live like this? Because they want to die. They want to die? They're they, dancing because they want to die. They're dancing to prove that they deserve to die. Well, this is learned, a death cult. This is clear. It's a death cult. Look, yeah. there's even this big sort of pagan symbol on the floor, floor yeah. of the theater. So if, if their only way to ascend is to audition, then they're trapped in this eternal hell of auditioning. This is like, <laughs> this is like if, if a chorus line never ended. So it's like a chorus line. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> Zing! Take that chorus line. <laughs> chorus line. Also a musical. I'm not for fun. Uh, no, I have a lot of issues with the chorus. Yeah. Line. Oh, <laughs> it's one good song. And a the bunch of the audition yeah. never ends, and we get the impression when we meet the Ian McKellen character mm. that uh, he's auditioned a lot. Yeah. And and when we meet Grisabella, the 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 fancy cat, uh, the Jennifer Hudson character, mm. we uh, we get the impression that. Some people are not even allowed to audition any longer. Yeah, Grizabella is actually very, very. Right. Her, her ostracization feels like really weird and creepy and judgy. It's weird and creepy yeah. because it's implied that she's a sex worker among cats. Yeah, and she's being ostracized for that reason. And boy, mm. did we not. In a movie as horny as this, <laughs> you're going to make that the vibe that, um, like, re- oh, it's so fucking. <laughs> it's just yeah it's, it's completely so yeah it doesn't cats, nothing about it feels thought out it, we're so in the movie because they make it seem like they're trying to think yeah. it out whereas would, in the play yeah. they don't pretend they don't pretend it makes sense so if we're living in a death cult and they're in this constant state of audition in order to die wouldn't it have been fascinating if the dancing was really kind of limp and apathetic they're just out of energy after dancing for literally centuries okay you've reached you've reached the point in overthinking it where I love you for it. And I think overthinking it's an important part of our job. And I, and by overthinking it, I just mean thinking it to death. Like just thinking every single thing about it until you, you just sort of find the weird DNA of it. This is, this is the weird thing about this movie is it's not giving me anything else. All all I can do is, is, you know, I'm not being involved in the magic of this. Mm So I need to start analyzing what's being given to me. There's, there's a, there's sometimes there's, a, there's a thing. Uh, I, a lot of writers that I know, mm-hmm. um, it's a really difficult thing to learn, which is to listen to the critique and hear the critique beneath it. Yeah. 
So if, for example, you write something or you make a movie and a lot of people have a lot of nitpicks, yeah, they're, nitpicking like a re- plot details they're really distracted stuff. by plot details, what that means is they're not engaged enough to stop caring about that. Yeah, if, if, so that's the problem. It's not yeah. the problem isn't the nitpicks. The, the problem, problem is, is they're not, not they're, yeah. yeah, they're they're not sufficiently wrapped up in the story and the characters that the fact that there is a little plot hole bothers them because they have nothing else to think yeah. about and that's what it is with cats too because they keep introducing ideas that imply that this is supposed to make sense or connect to things or have a through line but nothing in the text actually does so all we're doing is thinking about all of these weird minutiae and we're thinking it to death yeah. until we're at a point now where we say to ourselves the only way this movie could possibly make sense is if the dancing sucked and like <laughs> at that point you've kind of <clears throat> killed the reason why you yeah. made the movie in the first place and the reason why you're making the movie in the first place is the dancing <clears throat> that's the reason Excuse why me. you make it because yeah. it's a show so if you have to, th- if you think it out to the point where the only way all the decisions you made in the movie make sense is if you destroy the entire the purpose yeah. that existed in the first place, you've ruined the movie. Not mm-hmm. you, I think the the filmmakers have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here we are with Memory. Oh yeah, memory Jennifer the, Hudson. Memory's the big barn burner. This is yeah. a lot of people have credited Memory is the only re- the only reason Cats has had its staying power. It is this gigantic show stopping number. One of the biggest in Broadway history. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was everywhere. My sister could play this on the piano when she was a kid taking piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, Memory was a last minute ad- uh, addition to the show. Yeah. This was a show that was actually notoriously like the Spider-Man musical uh, in production while they were still doing previews. Yeah. They were like rewriting it and making changes right up well, to because, the wire. And because it's very easy to do with mm-hmm. cats. You can switch the performances around. Yeah. Like you go third instead of fifth, that kind of thing. And you might not ever know that a switch had been made. So, well, and, and that's, uh, in fact, the, the cat costumes were, uh, have been credited as one of the reasons why it's been so timeless. Yeah. Uh, because it's just cat people, you don't need a big star. It's this big ensemble. Yeah. Uh, you know, there wasn't this draw, oh, come see big star performing cats. Yeah. It was, no, just see the cats and have fun with the kitties. Uh, and Memory was a song Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote for uh, something else. Sunset Boulevard, I think. Was it for Sunset Boulevard? I had heard Sunset uh, Boulevard. I'll look it up. I think he just sort of had it. I think he just had mm. this song in a drawer. Well, it makes somewhere. sense for Sunset Boulevard. That movie's about living in the past. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, at the last minute, they cracked out memory. This this was originally going to be without memory. Uh, we would have all forgotten it. It would have been great. Um, waka. Waka, waka. But <laughs> they, they put it in at the last minute. It became this gigantic hit. And uh, a lot of people have said it's been the thing that just has been buoying this phenomenon for the longest time. To the point where it's been made fun of satirized like crazy uh, did you ever see kevin smith's film jersey girl i did actually yeah no one of the running gags in that movie is uh the the titular jersey girl a young girl uh the daughter of the ben affleck character really wants to go from jersey into new york to see cats and he doesn't want to go because he hates it <laughs> he knows all about cats he doesn't want to hear memory and by the end of the 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 end of that film she has to put on a musical number and she keeps on talking about wanting to do memory, and then she changes her mind at the last minute uh, at her father's behest. 
and they, they end up doing uh, uh, Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Todd. Yeah, <laughs> which admittedly that's a really great scene. That's a great scene. That's, where, a, where, that's a cute where, movie. I like that movie. It's totally adorable. Really underrated film. Yeah, um, people. I don't know why people like built not, that one up yeah. like it was going to be a big deal. It was just a sweet movie about yeah. family and grief Ke- and stuff. Kevin Smith made a John Hughes type movie. It's yeah, fun. It's a good it, John it, Hughes movie. It works movie. just fine. Yeah. Yeah, they end up doing Sweeney Todd, but the joke was all the other kids did Memory from Cats. So by the end of the show, when they've heard Memory four or five times, all the the people in the audience want to kill themselves. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. Um, Mm. Memory is a good song. It's fine. Memory is a good song. I have Memory trouble, is I have trouble great, looking at it. It's uh, a great. Doesn't hurt it so well, of course, much. of course. But that's not the song's fault. No. In fact, it's actually to the song's mm. credit that it's sort of like let it go. The song is great. That it was overplayed yeah, to the well, extent or, that it starts losing its power mm. is not the song's fault. Or my heart will go on. Or, or yeah. Smash Mouth's All Star. These, These are, are all, all fine good songs. songs. These yeah. are all good, maybe on different levels, but like they're all good songs. I, I will go to bat for All Star. I like All Star too. <laughs> I like it. It's a fun. It's a party song. It's, but fun, it's a good party song. Fun party song. Really catchy. Everybody knows like, the lyrics. Memory just, is a great yeah. song to sing in the shower. It is a really mm. good belter of a song. I like the song. It's a good song. Mm. I don't think it has a lot to do with anything in Cats, but at the same time, what does? Mm. So I'm not going to complain about it. But uh, yeah, I like Memory a lot, and I don't think uh, it's that song's fault or even Angela Webber's fault that it's overplayed. Mm. That's it. Okay. That's all I'll say that. Yeah, it's like I said, I, I had this sort of drilled into my head when I was a kid. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's difficult for me to separate... The song from how it was over. That's how I feel of music of the night. Oh, the song from from Phantom, which is a good song. It's a good song. It's a good song. I like the song, but I I knew people who played it over and over and over, and out of context with the story as well. Because I like the story of Phantom just fine too. Obviously, that Andrew Lloyd Webber didn't write that, but regardless, like yeah, it's. It, it, it kind of got ruined for me a little bit and I have trouble appreciating it, but it's, it's not the song's fault. Well, the song is actually pretty good. Uh, so they're, uh, okay. So we got off on a tangent again. Let's check back in with the movie. They're cats. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we had memory. We had a little bit of, of the, the ghost song. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a clip of, uh, Taylor Swift talking about this song and, she is not humble about it. No. <laughs> she uh, she's even like sitting there next to Andrew Lloyd Webber and saying, "Well, you wrote all these songs based on T.S. Eliot, but you know, T.S. Eliot they couldn't get T.S. Eliot; he's dead. So instead of T.S., you get T.S. Pointing to herself. She compared herself to T- to T.S. Eliot. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's kind of funny. But okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to stop here because this is one of the few genuinely good bits Ian <laughs> well, McKellen as Gus is oh actually giving a real earnest honest Gus trying his best cat, yeah. performance he's doing a physical thing like he looks like an old cat who like yeah, has yeah. gotten kind of raggedy and like the whole thing where he's gonna like lick from a saucer and stuff like in mm-hmm. last minute he is so committed mm-hmm. to this character and he actually gives a genuinely... He's not singing it very well, but yeah. that's the whole thing, is he's giving an oratory. Well, he, and he's, he's really good. He's playing an aged actor. He's actually yeah. tapping into the character, I think better than anybody else, including Judy Dench. I think so, too. I think so, yeah. too. Because we can't, the other thing is, he has more of a character. Mm. Like, Gus actually, you know, he's an old theater cat. He's seen 
theater stuff come and go. This is actually a fair commentary on what we're doing right now, which is, hey, you know, all of these uh, young people are singing and dancing around. I'm Ian McKellen. <laughs> I've been doing this shit since before yeah. you were a twinkle in your grandfather's eye. And I'm still fucking killing it up here. And I might not be able to do the flips the way I used to, but I will act circles around you motherfuckers. And then he does. And so I actually like this is there's like two or three bits in this movie that I think are legit good just because they cast like the casting was right. The staging was okay. And they got out of the way of the music or the, or the lyrics. And here again, the music, not amazing, but the performance really good. And the but here's the thing that kind of hurts it though. They keep cutting to Judy Dench, and, and she, she's, she's like practically, oh god, she's, she's grinding. She, she's same. doing a basic instinct thing in like uh-huh. a cat box, and you're just like, Judy, <laughs> Judy, <laughs> cover your shame. <laughs> and there's no shame in it, Judy. Just just a sense of propriety, like. <laughs> like what well, are you I mean, doing I, I, No, I appreciate that Judy Dench is willing to sex it up. It's just completely inappropriate for this scene. Judy Dench is one of those wonderful, like, incredibly talented actors. Like, mm. so talented you can barely believe it. Who is perfectly content to be weird if she gets the chance. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Did, did you saw Artemis Fowl? I saw Artemis. she plays, I, yeah. like, the, 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 the lead. The, 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 the elf cop. Yeah. yeah, she's like the <laughs> leprechaun chief of police or whatever. And she's she's having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and Kenneth Branagh made that movie, so they've worked they'd worked together before. I yeah. think I get the feeling that when somebody like Kenneth Branagh or Judy Dench or Ian McKellen does these like big mainstream Hollywood fantasy pictures, yeah. they understand that it's just for fun. They're yeah. they're pros. They're, they're not, gonna bring it. But, oh yeah, they'll do their job, but they're also they're also not gonna like They're not ever, ever going to do, go and interview and say, Oh yeah, I was a big fan before coming in. No, they're just gonna do the job. Well, but to an extent. I mean, yeah. like Ian McKellen was obviously a big Tolkien fan. That was that's uh, fair. Yeah. Oh yeah, when he played Gandalf. But yeah, but that's, I at that point, that's classic literature he, now. He's but. not, you know, hanging out in theaters in the '70s reading X Men comics, looking forward to the day when he gets to play Magneto in the X Men film. I, I would be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if he did, I, I would be honestly shocked. I mean, that, that was Christopher Lee, like in the '50s, though, and apparently mm. he actually like met Tolkien in a bar, and I, like I would like, I just kind of <laughs> want to see that one act play, but. I'm anyway. convinced that Christopher Lee, like, there were multiple versions of him that would go out into the world and have these wild experiences and then return at night and then just absorb back into the same picture. That's, the, that's the plot of the multiple man comics from Marvel. Oh, there, yeah. He, he yeah. had multiple man powers because that guy had so many experiences. I don't know where he fit it all in. Yeah. Also, he had a metal band. He did. <laughs> Christopher Lee had a metal band. Fought in the army. Had a metal oh, band. Christopher Lee would have been great Tolkien. in cats. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can you imagine? He would have been McCavity. He would have been amazing. <laughs> he wouldn't have done... Oh. Idris Elba is a good actor. Yes, he is. But he's a good actor in a lot of bad movies. I've seen yeah, him in a lot of bad films. He's, 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 he either picks exactly the right role or exactly the wrong yeah. role. It's like no and, and I feel like he's a little lost in this one. And we'll, we'll get to, to the mechanics. He's having song. fun, and I appreciate that. Not everyone looks like they're actually having fun. And I think... Idris Elba seems like a pretty cool chill guy. I remember I interviewed him once and like everyone else was all like dressed to the nines for their interviews and like on video and he yeah. showed up in like a the white t-shirt. For, no, he showed up in like a white t-shirt from Target and like baggy cut off jeans and he was so chill. Well, I mean, he's so <laughs> handsome. He could pull that oh, off. Oh, he was great. Yeah. He was, it was a good interview. I liked it a lot, but it was for a really, what was that awful um, stalker movie? What was he in with? Um, oh, Obsessed. With, no, 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 no. The other one. 
with Taraji P. Henson. <laughs> oh, that, oh, what was that one called? Uh, where she's the stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Oh, um, He's good in it. It's a bad yeah. movie. Hold on. Taraji P. Henson, Idris Elba. It's got like a generic movie title. Yeah, it was like No Good Deed or something like that. that um, yeah, No Good Deed. No Good, good Deed. That was yeah. it. Okay. Oh, that's a five-pointer in the Shimoda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a no good deal. He's fun in that one, but that's, you know, a fun, trashy kind of movie. Exactly. Same with Obsessed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, poor, poor Idris Elba. It's like, I, I'm, I'm a cat. I'm McCavity. I'm, and, and so several points throughout the movie when he vanishes, he just says, McCavity! <laughs> I always thought it would be try, cool. Trying like, to do something with this character. Imagine having a name so cool that you could do that. You could just announce it. Yeah. Here's the other thing that's weird, though, is that every once in a while the movie forgets they're supposed to be scale. So, like, there was an exit sign that was cat-sized. Yeah. No. (laughs) That would be bigger. That would be as big as them. And now uh, Ian McKellen's out of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) They don't have to. He pops up briefly. Okay, hold on. And here's the other. We get two bangers in a row. We get a really genuinely good performance from Ian McKellen, uh, and then we get Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, oh who, God. at the very least, this has energy. There's there is so energy, much energy in this in this performance. Well, there's energy because it's a tap number. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not doing you know sort of the, the modern Twilight. Well, actually, let me look up the actual uh, choreographer for Cats because it's not That's Twilight. That's worth it. No. Um, but... Uh, it's a tap number, which means we're moving from, yeah, this modern dance into, yeah, something a little bit more of uh, fun Broadway tra- tradition. Yeah. 42nd Street style. Yeah, and again, uh, Mc- uh, uh, Skimble Shanks is mm. not played by a major Hollywood star. They actually got a dancer. a dancer. They got an Australian ballet dancer and tap dancer named Stephen McRae. And wouldn't it be nice if we could see his whole body while he's tapping? Yeah, sometimes you can, usually you can. Yeah, and yeah, there's gonna be a shot where there a bunch of cats are dancing down a railway and they cut to the shot that's like 600 feet away and they're all really <laughs> tiny it's a great mm. look mm. Uh, <laughs> like it's it's a fun shot of a sunset no no i meant i meant his dancing. i meant his costume oh with like, like the high-waisted pants the high-waisted pants and the suspenders and like the the mm. conductor's hat uh i'm saying i'm gonna say this right now that is a sexy cat <laughs> that is a cat who he's knows like exactly Mouse. what he's into. Right. That is a cat who who like who could teach you things. Jillian Lynn. Sorry, I should have known that off the top of my head. Jillian okay. Lynn was the choreographer of the original Cats. There you go. She was one of the big reasons why the show was a hit. Um, the original show was directed by Trevor Nunn, uh, oh. an old uh, theater pro, and also did a few films. He's done, yeah, he did uh, Twelfth Night, didn't he? He did that. Yeah, a really excellent Twelfth Night film from the nineteen nineties. With, uh, uh, oh gosh. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant was uh, in it. Helen Bonham Smith Carter. Was in it, Helen Bonham Carter was yeah. in it. I was trying to think of the actress who played uh, Viola. Oh. I'll look that uh, she was really good, too. But yeah, here we get a little bit of tap, and it's nice when we get some tap. But, you know, once again, they, they edit too much, and we don't actually get to see them dancing. It's like, why are you covering it up? Show it. Uh, Viola in that movie was played by Imogen Stubbs. Imogen Stubbs. She's great. I like She's Imogen really Stubbs, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, undeniably. Uh, Skimble Shanks. Uh, I had a, <laughs> I had a, a, a not very good manager at one of my movie theater jobs named Jim. We called him Jimble Shanks. Adorable. <laughs> oh, I, I, well, here's another one. I'm going to say this right now. Here's another one where it really does feel like the scale is off again because we're looking at these railway tracks. And if you've ever uh, seen railway tracks, you know how far apart the wooden slats are. And the cats are only as long as the wooden slats are apart, which means all of these cats are about seven inches long. <laughs> and I yeah. know that's not right. <laughs> that, that's not right at all. These are like weird micro cats. And mm. like, 
no. <laughs> like we also, know what cats are, man. We know this. We know how yeah. big they are. You Wait. have to be consistent about this shit. You have to, yeah. for the love of God, please. Um, it's also artificial. Yeah, great. Let's see the dancing. <laughs> yeah, look at them. They look like <laughs> my, they look like ants on a string. Yeah. Like that's how far away we are. <laughs> And there's a tendency in a lot of modern filmmaking, and I, I cite David Yates as sort of a prime offender of this, mm. where we're not going to, like, if we're, we're not shooting on location in a lot of these movies anymore, mm-hmm. we're on sets, mm-hmm. we're indoors. Or against the green screen. Yeah, and rather than trying to make it look like a backlot, or not like a backlot, they just sort of add, they, they roll with the artificiality and sort of add these big digital skies, where there's no actual natural light, and everything looks like a ceiling. Yeah. In David Yates films, they're always very kind of hazy and gray, but it's it's a big problem with a lot of these movies because they're all made on sets and they want to make them look like they're outdoors, but they never do. The skies always look really wrong. Well, and they, they never looked like... Here's the thing, though. It'd be one thing if they looked so weird that we accepted them as an alternate reality. They look yeah. like German Expressionist weird. Right. They they generally don't, though. They just look a little off. Like, the they color won't... timing's a little off, or the scale's a little wrong, but, but like, they, they look... never just go completely yeah. mad with it, and I wish they would. They, they look artificial, but they look like, you know, computer desktops. They like, look like a, they just look a little like, oversaturated They look like skies. a mistake. That's yeah, what they look like. Yeah. They don't look like an... Inti- okay, I don't know what Skimble Shanks is doing right now. I think he's doing like oh he's about to do a ground pound. No, McCavity just kidnapped Skimble. <laughs> I thought he was like spinning up in the air and then he was gonna do yeah. one of those superhero landings Deadpool talked about, and then like everyone else is gonna get blown away in like a radial attack. But uh, no, no, we're just we're just getting the McCavity's about to have his big number and uh, uh, well, Taylor Swift is about to show up. Yeah, Taylor Swift, ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Swift Taylor, is okay. uh, is a musician of some sort. She she she's known for selling records. Um, um, I, I like Taylor Swift fine. Songs. I like Taylor Swift fine. I think as, as a pop singer, mm. she's really one of the better ones we have right now. I think she's got good songs, bad songs, but I appreciate her energy mm. and I think she's pretty good. Here's my relationship with with Taylor Swift is non-existent. She's one of those uh, ubiquitous pop figures that I am one hundred percent unfamiliar with. Ah. Like, I, I know a Taylor Swift song, and it's only because Weird Al Yankovic parodied it. Which uh, one? It was, um, T, it, Weird Al's song is called TMZ. Taylor Swift's song is called, I think, You Belong to Me. Oh. that That's the only one. That's an old one, too. That's like, that's like from like 10 years ago now. No, I mean. No, I'm just saying, like, she's had so many hits since then. Weird Al parodied it. I'm just saying, she's had a lot of hits since then. Like five years ago, at least. Yeah. And she's giving catnip. She's just giving everyone drugs. Here are your drugs. Enjoy uh, your drugs. Speaking of drugs, um, <laughs> I got to see this film uh, at a press screening, and it was it was some. I'm curious uh, where this is going with speaking of drugs. Well, uh, it was it was a press screening for you know press. It was an all, all media invite, but also like cats fans. Okay, I'm trying to pepper. Oh, know. they finding Neverlanded you. They did what they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, talk- that's what they do in in a lot of press screenings. Mm-hmm. If they think that uh, critics might be a little sour, yeah, they try to put in uh, some target demo. Yeah, some fans yeah. in the audience. So they bring in if it's a comic movie, they'll bring in comic book fans. If it's a kids yeah. movie, they'll encourage everyone to bring their kids. And so all the critics will go like, "Well, I didn't yeah. like it, but, but the, the energy children, in the room, the was children so were so enchanted yeah. that I have to write about that instead oh because God. children know everything." Look, we're critics. We're Grinches. Don't don't try to. <laughs> 
don't try <laughs> with us. But uh, this was at uh, Grauman's Chinese in Hollywood, California, and they really tried to sell it. They gave us uh, temporary tattoos. Mm-hmm. You could have little cat ears okay. that you could wear throughout the show. I didn't take the cat ears. Oh, that's the only thing I would have taken. But they did give us free cocktails. Mm. These, little, these like little teeny tiny pineapple flavored atrocities oh, God. that had a sheet of fondant across the top. <laughs> and on the fondant was printed the film's logo. All right, I'm saying this right now. This is a rule I have followed, uh, and it's only been inaccurate once. Okay. Never trust a film where the the publicity people try to get you drunk. Try to get you drunk ahead of time. If they try to get you drunk ahead of time, you're in trouble. And, like, there's only, like, actually two. There's only, like, two good movies I've ever seen where they went out of their way to try to get me drunk ahead of time. And uh, one was Midsommar, which ended up being quite good. And when, uh, you're, when you're drunk, that's probably even more nightmarish. And the other one was Mad Max Fury Road, which I think they were just in the spirit of being rowdy, so that yeah, was yeah, fine. Yeah, but yeah. like every <clears throat> other time I've been offered free booze before a movie, the movie mm. was inevitably at best two and a half stars. Yeah, so so they were really, really trying with this one. They were trying to get the critics all liquored up so they'd be a little more gentle with their movie. Yeah. Because when it came out, you know, all those uh, stories of all the production problems had already come out and how expensive it was and they mm-hmm. were still tinkering with it. We probably didn't get a complete version. Uh, and, and what's weird is that I feel like they, everyone they were is... digitally removing cat anuses up until the last minute. That's not a thing. They didn't put cat anuses in it. Hashtag release the butthole cut. They should have. That would have been <laughs> funny. But no, they didn't do that. Here's the thing, though. I feel like a lot of people assumed critics like had their knives out ready to eviscerate this. Yeah. Every critic I knew was ready to love this. Really? Maybe, maybe, maybe ironically... But everyone was like, I hope this is the weirdest, coolest thing we ever see. (laughs) And some people actually thought it was. This movie is so wrong-headed. Just, like, everything about it is, like, there's clearly talent involved. Mm -hmm. You know, they got a good cast. They got, like, you know, it's it's a popular play for a reason. So a lot of people liked a lot of the songs. Um, But, uh, like... We want to like everything. We're critics. We see movies for a living. Why would you want to have a bad day at work? Like, you want to have a good day at work every day. You want every movie to be good. And as weird as Katz sounded and looked, and boy, does Idris Elba look weird in his fur. Yeah, yeah. Like, his fur in particular, because they don't add any texture to it. It's just brown. He doesn't add, he doesn't have stripes or spots or anything. He just looks weirdly nude. Yeah, yeah, he's he's naked. It's a weird choice. But anyway, um, yeah, so I think a lot of people I know were really excited about this, and some people did end up appreciating just how wrong the movie is just how mm. weird how and inconsistent mis- misguided and yeah, and you, gotta, you almost have to respect it because so many things have to go wrong to end up with the movie cats yeah so many things so many thousands of people had to agree to make bad decisions mm. For this movie to turn out exactly as bad as it right. is. I, I remember reading a, a review of the film Death to Smoochie when there that film go. came out. And uh, they pointed out, uh, it might have been Ebert, uh, uh, the critic pointed out that it, it was one of those films that could only be made by a lot of really talented people making really bad decisions. Like, it was clearly not the work of amateurs. I also feel that that also applies to a movie like Dreamcatcher. Like, you needed a, a team of really talented people who had really big ambitions to get something that bad. Yeah, that's It the couldn't thing. have been made by amateurs or Medi- people who didn't have talent. Mediocrity hmm. can be achieved by committee. 
yeah truly completely weird badness you typically have to try yeah you have to try to do something and yeah maybe it failed sometimes it's a noble failure sometimes it was just it was interesting idea it didn't work bless you you tried but sometimes it's just someone had a very bizarre vision and no one was there to tell them no and you get something truly remarkable. Yeah. Maybe maybe genuinely good, sometimes genuinely bad, but you'll get something remarkable that you just can't like there's no modern movie quite like Cats. <laughs> There's a lot of bad modern movies yeah. out there. None are bad in the exact way of Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not even, like, Les Miserables, which is its own bad musical. Like, this is just... People are going to be baffled by this forever. And you like, know that how, there's going to come a time in five, ten years when people are like, Cats is good, actually. And no, I think there's no, a difference no. between I enjoy Cats, actually, mm-hmm. and Cats is good, actually. Well, it, admiring just how they just went, went for it and went yeah. with all of the bad ideas. A lot of people uh, admire that sort of... Uh, yeah, that chutzpah. You you get bored with the same milk toast, three yeah. stars. Everything is just kind of fine, and yeah. after a while, you start appreciating a truly amazing filmmaking and truly bad filmmaking mm. because again, at least they tried to do something mm. different. Gets gets your heart beating fast, even if it's yeah. not in a good way. You're uh, engaged at a different level. We're now uh, involved in this weird uh, new plot that was added for the movie that wasn't in the show, where McCavity is spiriting the celebrity cats off to a boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Old Deuteronomy has just been kidnapped, so no one can die tonight unless they get yeah. her back. You'll notice that the biggest names are the ones who were taken out of the movie. <laughs> it's true, actually. Uh, but uh, the tension then is that McCavity is is kidnapping these people in order so uh, for him to win this audition and go to the heavy side layer. Mm-hmm. Not a very the, well thought out plot. Not a well thought out plot because, okay, he's kidnapping. He's kind of sinister, uh, McCavity. But what is at stake here? If he goes to the heavy side layer, mm. like no, nothing all the other cats ne- are constantly going to be auditioning. They'll go the next year. Yeah. Next year. Someone else will go. Like, yeah. honestly, the part, there's an argument to just get rid of him. He makes yeah. no one happy. Everyone hates his, his ever loving guts. Like, just get fucking rid of him. No, it's, and like, it's not like I go to the, go to the heavy side layer and I will come back as a monster and take over the world or whatever yeah. it is. And she's like, I, I pick someone who deserves a new life. Hmm. And I'm like, I think a lot of these people deserve a new life. Hmm. Like a lot of these people no, are perfectly no. nice cats. No, no, it only goes to the cat who's the most sincere. You're okay. You're thinking of the tree from Chris from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. No, it was, <laughs> it was the great pumpkin. But oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hmm. Can't believe I've, I can't believe I bugged that How one, do but... you whiff your peanuts trivia, sir? <laughs> um, yeah, now, now we have the... Uh, Mr. Mistopheles. Mistopheles. Yeah. Who... His name is Mistopheles. You think he would be the villain? You would but, think, you know. yeah, but no. And his whole thing is, he's a magic cat. And if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics of this one are really cute. Because it's all about how you hear him on the roof, but like actually he's out. You can see him outside and you don't know how he did that. Yeah. And we've all had cats like that who managed to pull off some weird feat that we can never explain. Mm-hmm. So... It's actually a bit of a banger, and they made it like this whole thing like, maybe I'll try using my magic, and maybe I can teleport Judy Dench away in a really unsatisfying plot point that they added for the movie, and makes no sense whatsoever, even within the internal logic of the film. As such as it is. (laughs) And it's so bad. I I would like to point out, though, that Mr. Mistopheles is... uh, is uh, William Shakespeare from the TV series Will. 
Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. If you recall, there was it's a. It's hard, sh- hard to tell because his head was trunk to fit the cat CGI. There's uh, there's there was a sh- one season wonder. I think it was on TNT or TBS. Uh, TV series that was all about the young adventures of William Shakespeare in sort of a Shakespeare in love kind of way. And it was all about him, you know, writing all of his hit plays. And they made a lot of contemporary allusions to like how mainstream Hollywood works now and like creating sequels and things. Mm. And, um, I don't, I don't have any animosity towards it. It wasn't nearly as interesting as it should have been, but it's not bad. It wasn't his fault. He was fine <laughs> that, it, that it got canceled. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand more mice. I, I love the scene in, in Will where uh, he's he's approached one of his, uh, his the the love interest character, and you know this is sort of like modern and he's young and he's hip and they're trying to make him all sexy and casual and he just walks up to her and says, "Hey, how art thou?" <laughs> <laughs> Magical Mister Mistopheles, is it gonna work? No, what a tragedy! No, maybe by the end of the song, in a really anticlimactic way. We just gotta wait. Just wait till he finishes. It can't be done until he finishes. And again, this is another case of Andrew Lloyd Webber repeating the one phrase over and over again. He doesn't. That's his only gimmick. <laughs> Sorry, that face he makes just makes me chuckle. It's <laughs> so sad to be there. Uh, I'm sorry, the the ears and the tails are so fucking distracting. They don't work. They seem Mm. to be operating independently of, like, performance, which is weird. Because if you've seen a cat, if you've actually paid attention to a cat and, like, tried to hold a conversation with a cat and, like, see, like, how it, like, listens Mm. when you're trying to tell it things or when things are going on in its environment or even when it's trying to express itself in some way, like it's mad or it's hungry or depressed or tired or whatever... The ears work in conjunction with it. It's like a human eyebrow. Like we express ourselves through that. It's oh. it's if it's it's either conscious or it's subconsciously doing something consistent to whatever is trying to mm. be expressed or whatever is going on physically. And these ears are either not moving or they're doing weird random shit. Yeah. And the animators are like having them twitch sort of randomly throughout the mm-hmm. frame and there's all always a little bit of movement and it actually is a bit of a strain on the eyes. Uh, and it I, doesn't help that, mm. I'm sorry, this lighting is ugly. Yeah. This lighting yeah. is drab and depressing and again, well, and the, these and are magical cat creatures. Too, Can yeah. we enjoy them? Like, what are we doing yeah, it's, here? Yeah, it's hazy. and I saw this film the same day. It, the, the press screening for this was the same day as the press screening for uh, Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. Did you see both? Uh, yeah, I watched them both on the same day. Ooh. It was hard. It That's was hard a to, rough day. To look at just that much digital imagery and that much visual information Ooh. was that is a rough. And those are both bad. And those stand. are both very badly made films. Yeah, are you yeah. just like awkwardly structured? I'll, I'll say this: the paced. the Star Wars film, you know, it's a big uh, slick production, but that the script was so bad. So they were bad in different ways. But yeah, there were just it was too much to look at, and that's that's one of the reasons this film is just. One of the things that makes it so ugly is there's just too much visual information on screen. Mm. We're, we're not allowed to just sort of look at dancing. We have to look at all these little tiny distractions like the twitching tails and the rotating ears. There, there was a, I bet there was a point in this production when they even wanted to have it in 3D, and I'm glad they at least restrained oh, them from Jesus. that. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I, ooh. Yeah. Shit. Was this actually released in 3D? It wasn't. No, no, no. Oh. They, they did not shoot this film in 3D. Well, they could have uh, they could have retrofitted. I, you know, it was probably so down to the wire they couldn't even do that if yeah. they wanted to. 
Cool. I'm glad she gets to yeah, like, end up with this guy. I guess they had such Magical a relationship. Mr. Mistopheles yeah. And now there's a love they're interest. So, I suppose they're so happy or something. Who, who, who's this gray cat? The one I don't know. He's the, the, he's the, narrator, the cool guy. The narrator cat. It's um. Hold on. I, f- I forget his name. Hang on. It's um. I think it's Monkey Strap. Monkey Strap. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I yeah. I'm not gonna make fun of the names. Those are all from T. S. Eliot. You know, Monkey yeah, Strap that's... and Rumple Teaser and Jenny Andy Dots. They're, they sound like British nonsense poetry, like Lewis Carroll in a way. That's uh, yeah. that, that's all fine. No, no, it's all it's all I, very I, fanciful and silly, yeah. and that's fine. I feel like the myth of cats kind of gotten its own way in many ways. Like we're meant to sort of take it for granted that the, these characters have these sort of fanciful names that we're not allowed to appreciate the absurdity of it anymore. Well, I feel that was the same the whole way point about of every yeah. song. Yeah. Every song was like, hey, I got this weird, funny name, and I do mm-hmm. all this weird, funny stuff. And by the end of the song, you were supposed to appreciate the character on their own terms. Yeah. But here, I mean, half the songs, it doesn't really even matter what they're saying. Like, again, Rum Tum Tugger's whole song is not about what the lyrics are about at all. Mm-hmm. And now we get violence. Yeah, we get a war of... <laughs> weaponized hairballs all of a sudden it's just so disgusting oh my god i'm so glad i got to see fucking gene mckellen drown a cat as a cat (laughs) that's great now we can say we've seen that (laughs) (laughs) some things you cannot unsee The fiend, the fiend of the fell, sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, like this. Yeah, Ian, would so. you pretend you're in Lord of the Rings and say something cool? But have, have you read the the T. S. Eliot poems, the old possum book? Uh, not really. Oh, no. I like one or two. I, I, never, I, I never actually sat I, down with the book. I have. I've read some of them to my son. And okay. I, yeah, they're they're fun. They're delightful. They're I mean, they're, they're all the lyrics. Basically, they didn't yeah, change a lot of it. You know. But just they're they're absurd and light, and I feel like this uh, technological atrocity takes away a lot of that. And Andrew Lloyd Webber's music takes away from the poetry. Mm. Uh, the poetry is light and absurd. It's what they call nonsense poems. Yeah, it's very cute and funny. And yeah, I think and there's I a feel... general appreciation in those poems for cats. They there's, think cats yeah. are fun, weird, you know, egocentric mm. thieves and, and did... cowards and showmen. And th- that's mm. all great. But I think I, it's apt. But, you know, as as poetry, they also take a, a light delight in language and mm-hmm. fun rhyming schemes. Uh I mean, poetry is its own form, and uh, you you think you could set it to music, but I think Andrew Lloyd Webber didn't do that right. He's not letting the the rhythm of the poetry dictate the music. He's sort of cramming the poem into his own music. Yeah. And uh, so we're losing that sort of light absurdity. I feel the same way about a lot of film adaptations of Alice in Wonderland. They get involved with sort of like the stories. It's like, no, this is actually sort of this bright bonkers satire yeah. now even uh the the animated film that is from the the disney animated canon it doesn't quite have that quality it gets close in some scenes like the mad hatter scene i think kind of captures it yeah but none of it have that kind of bizarre almost gilliam to cite him again terry gilliam like quality well i think i think what you want is at least something python-esque i think that's the closest we've got in that term yeah, of tone so. and that kind of like well, and, and calculated Pyth- absurdity yeah, and python was very is. was yeah. very inspired by alice in wonderland and that kind of absurd british literature and I, I there's think, uh, yeah. a level of absurdity to something like cats in the original poems Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh, isn't it funny that a cat is dancing? That sort of thing. Yeah. 
that, you know, by the time we're, you know, decades into a long running musical mm-hmm. and we're getting into this weird, another technological monstrosity film version of it, the absurdity is just gone. Yeah. There's no delight or magic or fun or sparkle to any of them. No, there's a grim determination to it, which things. Yeah. I mean, even look at this scene right here where we finally get, we had a prelude to memory earlier, but this is where uh, mm. we actually get to hear just, and, 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 and to their credit, uh, uh, this is a Jennifer Hudson can fucking sing. Yeah, and <laughs> they, she they, they cast a, a, yeah. an excellent singer. The to CGI sing makes her look a little absurd, but she yeah. is doing the song and yeah. she is killing it. And good for her; she deserves all the credit in the word for, in the world for that. Mm. But at the same time, the dignity which would be afforded this character, this character who is seen as fallen mm. unjustly so, but that's the perception. Who then sings a song so beautiful. And so soulful that everyone's like, you're right, we are the assholes. You are the most deserving cat of a new shot at life of being reincarnated or mm. ascending to a higher plane of existence or something. We were wrong. You were right. That's the whole thing. And uh, then we give all of that to Victoria, the new character. Who's <laughs> like, hey, you should do this. And now it's like, great, thanks for... Mm inserting yourself into my narrative and making it all about you for some reason. And, um, that's bad storytelling. Like they don't even, <laughs> you don't even like the one thing she gets to do is something she probably shouldn't have done. And the story would have been better for it. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a lousy adaptation. <laughs> like I, I hate being like, like, I this hate... is, this is a, a, not a great show to begin with, quite frankly. And I know, I know I hate... that I know it has, it's like, diehard fans well again i like it but, more than you do in its yeah. original form again i never saw it live but i've seen like the the oh. recorded show and i like it fine yeah it's been a long time since i saw like the whole thing but i've been yeah. rubbing up against it my whole I res- life i respect the madness of uh the original production and i just don't se- sense that madness this feels very calculated yeah. but it feels calculated it feels miscalculated though like we did all these calculations and we ended up with the wrong answer and that's such a terrible thing. And here's the damnedest thing. I don't even hate this. Like, I know we're, we're really being really critical because we're critics, but like, and there's a lot to, to criticize in this movie and we're being really negative here because we feel there's a lot that doesn't work and we need to explain why and iterate the effect that it has. But like, I, I, there's so many more movies that I find more offensive than this. There are more like well, I, I, grotesque is, or misguided or uh, cruel or or offensive in some way. And this is just confusing. Like, I yeah. don't understand. Again, I understand the plot such as it is fine. I don't understand it's, what made well, them it's, think it's this was a, the right approach. I can't wrap my uh, head around it. I would kill to sit down with Tom Hooper for like 90 minutes. Just to really pick his brain. I would love. I would love to do like, or, or like, you know, what you do? You do like um, uh, when they did like the Power of Myth. We sat down with Joseph yeah. Campbell for like twenty four hours, yeah, and we we cherry picked all the good stuff, and we gave you like an eight part mini series event. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to Tom Hooper just about this movie for for twenty four hours. <laughs> I want to get <laughs> everything. I want to wear down his defenses, and I just want to get to the point where he just talks about what the. F- fuck happened how much of it was was him i get the impression Mm. it was a lot and like how this occurred and like even this like again she's singing her heart out right now and the cg on her face is ruining the performance yeah yeah um 
this is one of those films where you, you, we've seen a lot of bad films that have bad ideas in them. Yeah. They promote some kind of bad philosophy or bad notion. Yeah. Uh, and those are the ones that are most offensive to us because a lot of uh, cogency and talent and thought went into the idea of presenting us with a bad notion. Yeah, it and, doesn't matter how competently which means, it's been yeah. made because ultimately it's been made of service of something that exactly. is bad. So, so uh, we, we are more offended by those movies because a lot of time and effort went into a filmmaker who was trying to present us with something uh controversial or wicked in some sort yeah. of way well controversial isn't, uh, isn't of itself bad well, but yeah, yeah wicked. not, not wicked controversial is, yeah. but wicked like a just yes. a, 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 something with maybe that has racist undertones or, or yeah, phobic or sexist yeah. or something like that all of a, these a lot things of energy really, went into this maybe yeah. uh the filmmaker especially when you're looking back over the history of film when yeah. sexism or racism was just kind of percolating and pervasive yeah. and, and just rampant and yeah. and, un, and even though people were complaining about it at the time uh, Hollywood was run by people who didn't give a shit didn't really and just care. decided yeah, to be ugly. And you know, yeah. and we relitigate these films all the time. Uh, yeah. you know, look at The Silence of the Lambs. That's been really, really like, relitigated about how transphobic that movie is. Yeah. And, and how just it did a lot of damage to the trans community. Uh, those are the ones that we, as critics, tend to come down heaviest on. Yeah, the ones that are competent but have a bad idea. Well, at least that's at least we yeah. do. I can't speak for all the, critics yeah. in that regard, but we tend to be the, the, I, the yeah, those are the ones that piss us off the most. I yeah. think. A film like Cats doesn't have a bad idea. We don't even know what the idea is. This yeah. is baffling from a production standpoint. Yeah, we just don't get it. There's nothing in this movie that's grabbing us. So, like you were saying earlier, mm. when it's not grabbing you, your mind is wandering. And we're wandering to the uh, intentions of the filmmakers and of uh, the actual production history of what Cats was. Because that's all we can think about when we're watching this baffling piece of technology it's not like, even a film it's not you know grand piece of art it's just did you te- ever, technology did you ever walk by it. a piece of graffiti and it's legible but you have no idea what the fuck they're talking about like <laughs> you just like walk past the wall and like we have like graffiti in our neighborhood right now yeah. that is literally just people spray painted fuck fascism and i'm like Oh, you know what? I'm, yes, leave that, that up. That, that's Please. a concept that's I can get behind. I can, it's very clear. Yeah, like that's cool. But then every once in a while, you'll see something. This isn't a specific example, but this is the kind of thing where it just says like DVD cases, <laughs> and it's just like, are you are you pro anti? Are you selling them? Is that like Eleven your cool zest, nickname? Yeah, like what what is that? I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. And I feel like that's this movie. Like, I don't know. It's, I, it's you, in somebody's you, head. Well, you, it, it's right here. I can't, um, I can't deny its existence, but I don't know what you're getting at. You have not made it clear to me. So this is like a, the tag of a street artist, but kind it cost a hundred million dollars to make. Yes. Something I, I, the dancing, you know, Victoria's, you know, like we said, uh, she's a good dancer. Yeah. But just a brilliant dancer. But I'm looking at her feet, and because they're all clearly dancing on, like, blue screen stages, their feet aren't connecting with the ground. Nope. It has that weird sort of, like, it's... it's and they're all really clean, too, and you yeah. know that can't be right. So, yeah, we're, we're not getting this idea of, like, how much weight and energy it takes to dance. They're just sort of gyrating in this empty space. Yeah. Oh, this is the part where, like, Mr. Mistopheles turns a chandelier into a hot air balloon. Mm. And I'm like, is that how that works every single time someone goes to the heavy side layer we have to turn the chandelier into a hot air balloon maybe they're taking pieces of the theater as they go so when the last cat finally ascends the building will be gone now that's a metaphor the the, the building i'm not yeah. sure for what but that's a metaphor uh 
It was not a challenge. Theater. Um, it was not a challenge. You don't have to. You uh, don't have to pick that one apart. <laughs> Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Okay. I can BS my way out of anything. Got me through college. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I, I remember writing a, a sociology paper where we had to analyze like a painting, and I'm like writing furiously through this essay, and, I, and I'm, while I'm writing, I'm thinking, "This is such bullshit. I have no idea what no. I'm talking about." I hope the teacher doesn't realize. I'm sure they did. I've I've written like mm. essays on like books that I haven't read, but I was pretty sure I knew oh, what no. they were about, and I'm like, I ended up getting away with it. I don't oh. know how. I, um, I, I did that in that was, seventh I did the, grade. I did that in high so, school. I'm not proud of that. No, I would no, never no. tell anyone to do okay, that, if, but if, I got if, away with it because I could write okay enough. If you're in school, don't do what we did. Never don't, do that. Don't BS never your way through. That. Actually read the actually book. Actually read the right. book, yeah. I did that with Essie Hinton's The Outsiders. I never actually finished that book. Wow. I read like the first chapter and I listened to like some, what, what some other kids said. I wrote an essay. I got a B. I felt awful. Yeah, now. <laughs> Okay, and now we're going to have... I'm sorry, I had a lot of shit going on in my life. I didn't yeah. have time to read it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I had to fake something. I'm sorry. Look, I'm in the seventh grade. I don't care about anything but Mega Man at this point <laughs> in my life. We're going to have the epilogue now, where uh, Judy mm. Dench is going to give us the theme of the movie, and the theme of the movie is that cats aren't dogs. Which, to be fair, is true. Is it? Now let's really analyze that. Well, do we have an expert in the room? Luca, where are you? <laughs> hey, Luca. Where's a cat in the room? Where is he? He's hanging out somewhere. He's, 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 he's not going to watch this movie. He's offended. We've been talking too much shit about cats. Yeah, what do, what do cats think of this movie? Is this, <laughs> is this like really, really kind of like racist to them? It's kind of hard to say. But yeah, there's this really uh, interminably long where Judy Dench, who, you know, it is not known for her singing. I'm not going to call her a bad singer. She's fine. But she kind of speak sings through no, this she last Harrison's this thing, yeah. Yeah. I've grown accustomed to her voice. Yeah. It's just speak mm-hmm. poetically and in cadence and you're fine. Yeah. And here she is. She's doing it now. Yeah. You've learned enough to take the view and, uh, that cats are very much like you. And, and this goes on and on and You've on. You've seen his both at work and game. This last number is about 18 minutes, so so hunker yeah. down. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm distracted. Except Victoria, who will never get one, even though we set yeah. it up and made a big deal out of it multiple times. I'm distracted by Strap over there. Who's over oh, on the edge of the screen? Who's just like staring at her like he wants to eat her? I was. I remember seeing this in the theater for the very first time, and just like so, there is. It's very, very hard because you're on camera, and the angles sometimes aren't favorable to just sit there on screen for a long time and look and listen to another actor. Yeah, and somehow make it look like you are genuinely listening. But not acting like you're listening so much that you're distracting from their performance because the whole scene is about them right now. Mm-hmm. And it is really difficult to do. Never, ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever underestimate how hard it is to just be an actor and convincingly and listen, listen to somebody. Yeah. It's no. really hard. And this actor is playing Mungo Strap. His name is a, uh, Robbie Fairchild. Robbie Fairchild. Un fucking believably hard job he's doing right now well he's and he's, he's doing it theatrically and yeah. he's he's a he's, he's also a professional dancer and he's used yeah. to acting to the back of the room so he's playing it big and yeah and it's that sh- looks weird in film they, because they should film have, acting is different from they should have acting. pulled back or they should have framed him out like yeah. that's what they should have done it is not his fault or, he's giving or the directed him differently yeah. saying hey yeah. look the audience is actually really close to you now you don't yeah. have to play to the back of the room scale, scale it back a little bit like that's yeah. that's the director's job so, it's all about modulating still, scale and tone. Still going on. Yeah. 
In case he, in case he, oh, uh, by the way, uh, real fast, just so we're clear about what's going on in the movie, they're cats. That, okay. They're still cats. They will continue to be cats. They are currently cats. Mm-hmm. We're just still doing this. Uh... Judy. Judy, uh, can we wrap this up, please? They should have cast Mike Myers in this. No. As, as the cat in the hat. Just have the character oh, come back. Have him do that, that weird Burt Lahr impersonation or whatever the fuck he was doing in that God, piece of so, crap movie. Oh, not, you know, it's not a good film. No, it's quite no. bad. Has there ever been a good movie besides The Wizard of Oz where a human played an anthropomorphic cat? Like, not in a cartoon. Oh. Like, this This is, like, I know this is, like, half CGI, mm-hmm. but, like, has there ever been one of those besides... Well, here, here's the bizarre thing. Cats are, are expressive, strange animals. They are. I, I like cats. I'm a cat person. Same I, here. I, I lived with cats as, as a child. For some reason, they don't make good film Oh, there's characters. a wedding ring. They left the wedding ring in. Oh, they left it in. They didn't <laughs> Why fix did it. they wait the wedding ring in? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I guess the whole dude you know, And, I, and I, saw, I saw Jen, Jennifer Hudson's hands earlier. They didn't, yeah. didn't do her hand. What, I mean, why the fuck spend more money? It's I know, of, but the wedding ring, was, the ring was a joke. People yeah. noticed it. And it was so distracting. You'd think they would have removed mm. that, but no. Because they re-released this in theaters opening weekend. Like, after, like, two days, they put it back in saying, sorry, sorry, we finished rendering everything. Here's the real version. And I think it was all fixed up by, like, that Monday. And I was so glad I went to see it on Friday so I could see the actual bullshit cut. I got to see the the earlier version where the special effects were, like, only 98% complete. Yeah. It was Uh, mostly the version we're seeing now. Just every once in a while there'd be a shot where that was clearly very wrong. Even this right now looks like her head's kind of, like... Francesca Hayward's head was kind of floating on her neck there yeah, for a minute. Yeah. It was weird. The, uh, but yeah, this idea that putting cats in movies is really difficult because cats, if you live with a cat, you know how expressive they are. Yeah. But when you're filming a cat, they don't have that same kind of expressiveness. This is why dogs animate so much better. Mm. They have like little eyebrow ridges and their mouths are a lot, like a dog, you can like sort of shape it around human words and make it look like it's talking. Mm-hmm. Can't do that with a cat as well. Doesn't look quite right. Cats usually, you know, if you look at if you look over just sort of the great history of cats in film, they tend to play like villainous characters, tricky characters, mm-hmm. um, sneaky tricksters. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they they don't film well, generally speaking. They don't even do well uh, as monsters because they're so inexpressive. Yeah. Remember when they uh, decided to reanimate the Lion King and make it all photorealistic, and the biggest problem was that they made them look so much like lions that they didn't have any expression on their faces? Yeah. It's a big problem with yeah. cat, with cat well, and there, feline no, no, no. species. That's, that's just a problem with an attempt at accuracy, though, mm-hmm. because at, when it comes to accuracy, uh-huh. uh, animals, even the more expressive animals, have a limited range of recognizable human right. emotion because they're not humans. Yeah. Uh, they can't like their body language isn't as versatile in many ways. Mm-hmm. They don't uh, uh, have the same uh, kinds of expressions that we have. So if you're specifically mm-hmm. going to try to make them look as accurate as possible, the most you can get is whatever they can actually do, which is completely negates the idea of making it animated, which is what you did. <laughs> the point of animation is that you are not limited to reality mm-hmm. and you can do things like be more expressive or more elastic and so it kind of defeats the purpose if you're going to be ultra realistic especially if that's to the detriment of the story which just put the two lion kings side by side you'll see just how much better storytelling there was in the original mm-hmm. because they're not limited to 
Oh, so here's a song. Here's a musical number. Okay, what's the cat going to do? It's going to walk forward. Because that's all we can do with a cat because we're trying to be as yeah. realistic to yeah. the animal as possible. All right, now what are we going to do with uh, with this one? Well, we've got like mountains of lava erupting from the ground and we've got hyenas goose-stepping in the foreground because they're all evil and shit. And it's just like, yeah, one of those is telling the story better. <laughs> <laughs> one of those is more interesting and dynamic. Mm. And here we have this thing yeah, where I don't know what the hell they were doing, but it feels like they really wanted it to feel like this cat's was like in a real world with like real world lighting mm. and like the actual That's, scale, which yeah, they fucked this, up anyway. This, but like, yeah, and this is how kind of what we started with. Yeah. Like Tom you, Hooper's, uh, slavish devotion to this weird, his weird version of realism. Yeah. Is taking away from all of the fanciful magic of a musical. The reason why you make a movie of, of cats is to do the opposite of what the movie of Cats did, which would be to transport people to something fantastical and unrealistic Mm. that is evoking what we enjoy about cats, about music, about poetry, about humor, about dance, uh, but isn't limited to what's actually possible. And instead, we got whatever the fuck this was. And that is our commentary track for Cats. Oh my god, I can't believe we actually got through that. <laughs> I, I expected this, this when we turned this... One, man. I expected like our commentary track to be just like, you know that scene in Event Horizon where we see that videotape of hell and yeah. it's just nothing but screams <laughs> and pain? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 like I thought our entire commentary track was going to be like that. Like once <laughs> by, we turned it on, end, it's we've been like bleeding out our eyes. Scratching our skin off. Yeah. And, uh, but no, this is uh, this is a weird film. I'm glad we're able to have a good conversation about it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. A very special thank you to Anna Popova. We hope you enjoyed your commentary track for Your Critically Acclaimed. Uh, once again, if you want to uh, sponsor your own episode of Your Critically Acclaimed, we're we're working our way through them. We've got a bit of a backlog, but we're we're really trying to churn them out right now. You can go to Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, And we have a ton of exclusive stuff there, exclusive shows, and at the top tier, uh, you can sponsor your own episode of Critically Acclaimed about more or less whatever you want. We Mm -hmm. might have to have a conversation about it, but we'll work on that. Um, So thank you, everybody, for listening. Sorry you had to watch Cats again. Uh, We, uh, of course, are on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, You can write us an email, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. If you want to talk to us about anything we discussed in this podcast or anything else at all, really, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail and respond to it there. And, of course, once again, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network if you want to get more exclusive stuff. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, just uh, in case you weren't clear, they're cats. Jellicle cats. (laughs) 